Thank you for joining I Am Possible, which is India's first future tech meets sustainability podcast. Today, I'm delighted and honored to have with me Professor V. Ram Gopal Rao, who's currently a professor in EE and the immediate past director of IIT Delhi. Dr. Rao served as a P.K. Kelkar Chair Professor for Nanotechnology in the Department of Electrical Engineering and as the Chief Investigator for the Center of Excellence in Nanoelectronic Projects at the IIT Bombay. Dr. Rao has over 480 research publications in the area of nanoscale devices and nanoelectronics as an, and is an inventor of 49 patents and patent applications. Professor Rao is a co-founder of two deep tech startups at IIT Bombay which is NanoSniff and SoilSense. So doctor, really appreciate you taking time and being part of the podcast. There is a deep problem with the education industry itself. You know, the rote ed- education industry has created uh, students who, who just mug up b- b- before examinations and there's a dearth of skilled labors, you know, when they, they actually graduate. So would you like to address what are the, the, the pros? Obviously, there's quite quite a lot. What, according to you, are the cons of India's education industry? And how do you think you could address it to, to make it future ready? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the challenges that we face in India is there are, of course, great institutions like IITs and some of them. And then there are also the other institutions which are second tier, third tier and uh, I think in IITs, you know, if you see the employability is not really such a big concern in institutions like IIT Delhi, the reasons for that are because of the, the nature of, you know, the, the activities that happen in the, in the institution. For example, if you see faculty members here, most of them are, you know, researchers themselves. They are always undertaking research, you know, which are sponsored by industries or by government agencies or by other organizations. So in the process, what happens is the faculty members develop a social connect. And now when they go to the classroom, you know, many of these uh, sort of social connections that they have developed become anecdotes in the classrooms. And whenever they teach a course, they, they bring in all of these aspects into the course. And that gives the uh, students a, a wider, a broader perspective on uh, not just the, the subject knowledge required to clear the exams, but also the bigger picture of why are they studying something and what is its uh, relevance in the larger context of uh, you know uh, whatever is happening in the society. I think that aspect is very important because you know unless we combine research and education together, if we see them as two separate things, they don't really benefit each other. But if we see them as an integrated sort of a activity that you are conducting research on problems which are affecting the society, and then you are going to the classroom and delivering lectures, not just on the subject matter, but bringing all of that research aspects into the classroom. I think that is what is probably you know missing in many other institutions in the country, which have you know basically been just undergraduate institutions, and uh, you know just the, the all the knowledge is available in textbooks, and which is like a wholesale. Uh, to a retail kind of a thing, you go to the classroom and every day you dish out, you know, a few uh, pages of that. I think that makes the students uh, lose interest in in what they are studying, why they are studying, and they are also not able to connect it with the the, the broader kind of things. And in the process, you know, it all has become rote learning, and you study, and then you 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 know mug up, and then you go and write examinations. And I think you know it has to have. With uh, it has to do with the institutions first developing that society connect. 
i think that is when students uh, get connected and that is when you know they they will become problem solvers and by becoming problem solvers you know they basically become you know employable and all of that i think that is what is required which is which i see is missing in uh, in many of our educational institutions right i think fair enough i mean you know making children or, or, or the students understand that how do you solve a problem first the the culture the ethos of that the in innovation i think once we bring that into the education uh, industry in the system uh, uh, we we've got a great future ahead now just recently i had interviewed uh, dr nana saheb torat who's a research scientist at university of oxford and he's a nanomedicine uh, nano vaccine specialist and he's a product of uh, government school you know from nagpur you know he, and and he was saying he's that he had this grouse and uh, he was mentioning that how iits are the and the iims are the only institute which are being funded like even the the recent budget the iits i think have been uh, allocated around 8495 crores uh, while iims have been allocated around 650 crores 653 crores with very little support for the tier 2 tier 3 rural education institutes now you mentioned about uh, the the problem with the education industry you know but 1.3 billion people in this and the future is is, is okay how do we make the education in industry equitable how do we make sure that the benefits can be reached out for not just the ones who are privileged few who sit in cities who have the uh, the the privilege to go to the iits and iims but how do we take the same thing for tier 2 tier 3 uh, education industries you know this uh, funding is a national problem right now funding education you know india is definitely not doing a good job when it comes to funding its educational institutions and and even research you know even that you know if, if you look at uh, as a percentage of gdp the the amount of money we are spending we are stuck at that 0.6 to 0.7% of gdp and in percentage terms it's actually going down so though economy is increasing so you tend to see a little bit more money every year but that increase has not been sufficient and as a percentage of gdp i said we are at the bottom of the table if you rank all countries based on their expenditure on education as a percentage of gdp india is at the bottom of the table and uh, other countries you know like china us korea germany all of them spend anywhere from 2% to 4% of their gdp on higher education while india is stuck at that 0.6% and that is what reflects you know in that funding uh, patterns that you see in the country the general impression is that iits are receiving more money you know than anything else kind of a thing but you know i have been the director of iit i had been the director here and for uh, for 6 years and i can tell you the money that government of india gives us mostly goes for salaries and pensions the salaries and pensions take away almost 70% of money that we currently receive we receive no money for infrastructure iit delhi today has a loan of almost like 630 crores so we take loans now from government of india from banks and we repay that money back to uh, the 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 banks 
and that is the situation right now so when somebody says that iits are getting lot of money you know it's it's because of uh, that lack of information you know which is what uh, is causing that sort of a thing but but it's not to say that other institutions should receive more money but iit is iit delhi can today absorb four times more money than what it is receiving today four times more money while we receive 50% of money from the government as a grant we generate another 50% through sponsored research and all of that so so despite that i am saying that iit delhi can can have a grant of almost like you know four times that of what we are we are actually receiving if you look at china for example the amount of money china is spending on its higher education just the two institutions you know you can go to google and search that the peking university and shinghua university their budget for these two universities is the entire mhrd budget and mhrd supports something like 130 institutions today and so therefore i think compared to the global scale at which we are expected to operate the particularly iits there is intense pressure on us you know figuring in the top international rankings and all of that you know compared to what china spends on on its higher education compared to what india is doing i think there is actually no comparison like i said what they spend on two universities is what india spends on its 130 universities now uh, including the iits and all of that i think you know the the point is that we need to spend more money because uh, you know higher education is the driver for all knowledge knowledge economies of the future just imagine us without mit stanford berkeley and all of that you know the us doesn't look like the same country you know if you take away all these great institutions uh, from the us and india needs to do that you know india needs to build those mits and stanfords and that requires investments in higher education and uh, not just in uh, iits but everywhere else i think you know india needs to spend at least 10 times more than what it is spending today when it comes to its higher education budget and that will propel our institutions to the global level and that is when the innovation and all of that will thrive not just in iits but even in universities and and colleges in the rural areas and all of that and uh, you know then great things will will start to happen in this country i think there is a need for investing more in higher education in this country and uh, which i i just hope uh, you know the current government realizes and it's not about one government versus the other this has been the situation since independence and uh, and also you know we cannot also blame the blame the planners all the time because in a country where there are so many pressing needs as i always say if hunger is one of your problems on the list nothing else can be above that i think uh, you know so so very considering the situation that we are seeing you know maybe whatever is happening is currently happening but if we ever want to build a knowledge economy if we want to be like the koreas and and us and uh, you know germany kind of uh, developed nations we have to invest more into our higher education because these are the institutions you know which will propel the country in that direction and uh, and that uh, i think needs to happen now now time has come for india to start investing like i said 10 times more into its higher educational institutions and in a way you know you can always direct uh, the money to do certain things if you want innovation to thrive you know you can always have money you know into into innovation kind of programs startups you know deep technology startups and all of that you know i think if you know, multiple things can be done if you want iits to collaborate with rural institutions there can be separate schemes where iits are made to work with these rural schemes where everybody is funded for that 
right now there are multiple programs for us to do that but there is no money you know just by preaching that we should all do these things are not going to happen so we have to invest where our you know our mouth is and we have to put money where our mouth is and if we want all of this to happen if iits need to groom these smaller institutions and other institutions we need to create national schemes fund those national schemes generously that is when all these you know great things will start happening i think time has come for us you know india knows how to create good institutions even if you look at the newer iits the newer iits have not been created by any western countries and all of that they were all created by the existing iits iit delhi for example has created iit roper and we have also created iit jammu now both these institutions have come up very well iit roper as you know now is doing very well you know after after 12 years or 13 years of being in existence so we know how to create these great institutions i think that model exists right now but we are very poor at sustaining excellence we are very poor at uh, you know taking things to that next level and we are you know i think that is what is missing in the country right now and i think we need to invest more i think that point is well taken but that iits are getting more money is all you know a misconception like i said iit delhi today has a loan of 630 crores which it needs to repay and 80% 70 to 80% of the money that we give goes for you know scholarships goes for salaries goes for pensions and there is no money for anything else right now in the system uh professor thank you for explaining because yes i mean there is been a misconception about that so thank you for clearing it completely and i really hope that uh the education funding the research funding is doubled up because you pointed out you know there's a glaring difference 0.6 versus uh, china and, and we all say that we need to emulate like china or we need to emulate america and the only way we can do it we've got great minds you know because there's plain to see some of the brightest uh, some of the biggest companies in the world have indian leaders but then somehow see that they are disconnected they are completely disconnected they have, they become foreigners themselves because there is uh, greener pastures over there and these more opportunities over there but though yes i see that the shift which is happening because 1.3 billion people you know in the opportunities we have here is humongous if we create a system where we are funding these educational institutes we funding education and healthcare also which i think is the basic of uh, creating a, a better nation because if we take care of that i think the rest will automatically uh, fall fall in place now over the period of uh, this decade i think tech ha has come to play such a huge huge role in education you know there's edtech and and there's augmented reality virtual reality which is taking us from uh, you know passive learning to interactive experiential learning because you know learning is best done when you experience it rather than you know just uh, uh, you know reading about some things and then there's artificial intelligence which is being leveraged for personalized learning so what according to you is going to be the future of le learning and what's the role of technology over there yeah the i think lots of things are changing which is uh, the, the one major change that you see today you know in terms of uh, the evolution of education is the student centric kind of a model you know we have we like industry 4.0 there is also an evolution in education like education 1.0 to education 4.0 now in the current era 
it's all student centric kind of learning student is at the center of everything and uh, the student is connected to teachers in the classrooms student is connected to the online resources student is connected to uh, his or her peers and student is connected to the outside world and that is how student is receiving all of this information from from various quarters the job of teachers is to you know basically clear doubts and basically you know tell the student what is the right information what is the wrong information help the student organize that information in a way you know which is uh, which makes sense at the end of the day and uh, i think that is a kind of a model that we are all looking at and in fact you know very often i see that now students are saying why do i need to come to the classroom if the lecture is available online you know i can as well go and listen to that lecture at my own pace and at, at my own uh, you know uh, preference preference uh, in terms of time and all that rather than you know who says that 8 to 9 i must study chemistry 9 to 10 i must study physics 10 to 11 i should study math and everything i can do that at my own pace and therefore why why are you even insisting that i should come to the classroom i think that is now putting immense pressure on the teachers so now if you want to attract teacher students to the classroom no you cannot just you know by teaching from from textbooks and then expect them to you know come and listen to you so you need to innovate the teachers need to innovate and unfortunately you know if you look at uh, how much the teachers have been able to adapt to all these new technologies you know that has been pathetic you know if you if you look at in fact i always uh, tell this joke about uh, a teacher and a medical practitioner a medical doctor so so i think uh, the story the way it goes is a teacher and a, and a medical practitioner both go into coma right and then uh, after 30 years they come back to uh, their senses now after 30 years when they come back our med the medical doctor goes to the hospital and goes to the operation theater everything has changed now robots are performing surgeries and the, and there are so many new types of instruments doing so many new things and our medical doctor is completely lost you know because the, the medicine has completely changed now or transformed now on the other hand our teacher goes to the classroom takes the chalk and starts giving lecture you know nothing has changed in 30 years the only thing that has changed probably is the instead of chalk and uh, board now many people start using powerpoint right other than powerpoint you know show me one technology which has really pervaded our lives you know in terms of teaching i think that is the situation but thanks to covid i think one thing that has now uh, become different because of covid is it has brought people out of their comfort zones and people who have never lectured or recorded anything online they all had no choice but to actually do that so now we see that at iit delhi in just a matter of you know 8 months after covid struck us we have like uh, you know like 700 courses which are online and by end of year we have like 1400 courses which are online now now the question is what do we do with all this online material you know that has got created you know can we start to organize this in a in a fashion which can where we can give diplomas where we can run online programs because our education model in the country has been at least for iits is you you know conduct the world's toughest examinations and then so many people take the exam a handful of them clear the exam they enter the iit system once they enter there is no exit barrier anybody who enters iit will actually exit because you know you come here and then you clear the exams and it's all so easy for them because these are all you know such a, such intelligent people anyway 
so now many of them or uh, 99% of them you know uh, go uh, clear the, the everything and then you know exit the exit the campuses that has been the model and because of that model the you know the education has not scaled up this quality education has not scaled up one thing which covid has taught us is now that we you know we can deliver lectures online now that you know all of that can be done very effectively you know without compromising on the quality so can we conduct uh, can we remove those entry barriers rather create more exit barriers you know after all we are all very brand conscious so now you allow more and more people to enter the system right by without having to you know take any examinations and all that and take some courses online you know spend some time on the campus during summers or breaks or whatever it is and at the end of the day you know not you don't want to give iit degrees or certificates to everyone so therefore you conduct an exam and those who have done well you know they actually eventually become uh, get those diplomas or certificates and exit uh, you know with a degree or diploma or certificate from iit so that kind of an inverted model of education is what is possible now and it has become possible simply because now those barriers for you know doing anything online they have gone until that time you know we had uh, we thought that anything online is inferior to anything which is uh, you know in the classroom kind of thing so now we have realized that it need not be so i think with a proper kind of training and planning you can make the online programs as good as the the classroom programs and uh, it may not work in all areas you know after all engineering you also learn by doing so therefore giving engineering degrees may not happen but there are areas which you can fully pick and choose and then in those programs you don't need to you know unnecessarily make somebody you know come to the classroom and then you know sit and learn there rather you can create these online platforms so we did that you know about couple of years ago we started a e vidya platform from iit delhi within a year it was able to reach almost like 3500 students uh, give certificates uh, to 3500 students you know in variety of areas and uh, it has been a hugely successful kind of a program and using offline classroom kind of a model we could never have scaled things in such a short time to those kind of levels i think you know things are changing now from that point of view and uh, hopefully that model will continue to prosper and will continue to scale further already iit madras is doing a bachelor's in science program which is entirely online and with large number of registrations iit delhi is doing lots of certificate programs you know like i said in a year you know thousands of students are benefiting from these certificate programs i think these models are evolving now out of iit and that is a good thing because that is what helps the quality education to scale and uh, because iits often have been associated with that quality our certificates are valued outside and now if we are able to scale and more people can benefit there is nothing better than that lovely yes i, I think there's an evolution of, of sorts and tech is playing such a huge role i think virtual reality which is in such a nascent stage you know it, it comes with its own problem because the devices are expensive and there's not much of content but eventually i think you know it's going to become possibly as light as this and maybe then it's there are already companies which are working on uh, augmented reality lenses so uh, the future of education is going to be experiential with haptic feedbacks and stuff like that you'll be able to actually touch feed 
feel and experience things you know exactly like how we uh, touch feel things in, in in a physical world and this evolution or transition from a web 2.0 to web 3.0 with the metaverse and everything converging with artificial intelligence personalized learning i think it's going to be superbly awesome yes yes i think it's going to threaten also the status quo because you know these brick and mortar education system has been the grounding uh, for uh, all the, uh, the you know education for everyone but somehow this moves moves massive open online courses it's creating a paradigm change in itself because education which was uh, it is becoming free and accessible for everyone and on the other hand you know india has somewhere around 84000 outstanding student debt loan so i think yes i mean the democratization of education which you said you you, you uh, iits are doing through you mentioned your e vidya platform and then you mentioned how all your 700 courses which you uh, uh, went online then 1400 courses which are going online i think that's a that's a great way to democratizing uh, these uh, Uh, the the education and, and the education industry would he would he also like to comment on certificates versus skills because elon musk you know keeps on claiming that you know he is not looking at degrees he is looking at skilled workers and somehow there has, seems to be a, a shortage of skilled workers would he, would you like to address that problem i think this has been one challenge in the country education you know for whatever reason it is is uh, less hands on and more classroom kind of a thing that is how you know things have evolved and which is something which are now beginning to correct in in at least in iits for example we have a major curriculum review that is underway and in all of that we are introducing tutorials you know every course will have a practical component and in many courses today students do course projects and where they have to build something or or develop some tool and all of that i think that is now beginning to happen but it is you know i don't look at it as a debate between uh, degrees versus skills kind of a thing both of them can be uh, can be combined together and uh, degrees need not necessarily mean uh, that you only become you know good at theory and bad in practice kind of a thing whereas skills would mean you are only good at something bad in theory kind of a thing i think all of that can can go hand in hand and can be you know uh, can be uh, in a way merged to to give the best experience Uh, to the student you know in many areas in iits for example why is it that so many iit graduates are successful in so many diverse fields all over the world the reason for that is the 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 the, the kind of emphasis we have on the fundamentals you know so the iit education you join any engineering program in iit you will be taught enough of physics enough of chemistry enough of mathematics and that is these are the founding Uh, now these days enough of biology too i think we start with maths physics chemistry and biology and there every student you know becomes comfortable in these subjects first and then we start teaching the the real engineering programs and all of that that grounding in the fundamentals you know and that ability to to think beyond uh, you know just the putting things together from uh, you know looking at uh, youtube videos and all that i think you know we go beyond that and then that is one reason why you know uh, iit students do very well wherever they go because of uh, because they can connect you know once your foundation is strong in all these areas you know then you can go and connect your these strong uh, uh, links to you know anything else that you are doing whether you become an automobile engineer or an it uh, specialist you tend to innovate you tend to do better than others because your grounding is you know very strong kind of a thing i think 
that is the way in my opinion how education should be you know if you want to even build uh, the future sustainability you know sort of models in anything that that you are looking at i think these fundamentals are going to serve you very well rather than you know some jugaad kind of an approach that you you know uh, buy these components and put it together i think that can only take you so far i mean if you define skills as putting things together i think you know you become trained for something and you you do that job but when uh, when a new areas emerge because every 5 years every 10 years you know lots of things change and the ability to learn these new areas Uh, and that uh, you know is a big uh, the continuous learning the uh, the continuous education these things have become more important now than ever and if you are only skilled you know skilled very narrowly in one area and if things change tomorrow you will not be able to you know again go back and your ability to pick up those new skills may not be all that uh, all that great so do one cannot generalize all of that but but you know but on the other hand you know look at an iit graduate who is trained in in all these fundamentals and who has the confidence that you know he or she can learn any new area because that learning aspect is what we emphasize so much in the education uh, here and you know when something changes the student can easily go and you know pick up those skills and move on and become better at uh, whatever they do i think that is where the the degree programs need to be that is where our curriculum you know needs to focus on that ability to learn i think that is what we need to emphasize more than you know just some skill training in 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 some small area and all that that may be okay for a large section of people but i would like to see you know students coming out of our premier institutions you know go beyond uh, you know just simple skills kind of thing they need to be able to plan ahead and they need to be able to become leaders in any area that emerges in the future and for that that ability to learn is what is more important than anything else now you have been vested in nanotechnology and nano electronics and you are also an inventor of 49 patents and those patents have been leveraged for industries so for my listeners can you uh, first explain what is nanotechnology and how are, is it being used right now maybe also talk about a few applications of nanotech lot of things are changing now in nano nano basically is you know you have all these materials in the periodic table the way the nanotechnology evolved is you now you look at all these elements in the periodic table the copper zinc magnesium potassium all these kinds of elements and then uh, you know they what you see as properties associated with these elements are all usually the bulk properties the bulk properties of these materials but now if you take any of these materials and then you know uh, make the particle sizes smaller and smaller let us say you know what you study is what a 100 micron uh, gold particle looks like you know its color its uh, its electrical conductivity its optical properties mechanical properties all these properties that you study in textbooks are when the gold particles are 10 micrometer size 100 micrometer size and then you make materials out of that now the same gold you take it to let's say a 5 nanometer size the particle size or 10 nanometer size that is when things start to change these materials now because the classical physics breaks down at those length scales the quantum mechanical effects come in and these materials now start start to acquire very new properties for example gold doesn't even look yellow you know when it is 5 nanometer size and its electrical conductivity its all other properties tend to change and the same happens with almost every element in the periodic table so that is what excited the nano scientists because they said if these materials are now behaving very differently at the nano scale 
and then can we first understand these properties you know how these properties change as a function of the size of these particles a 5 nanometer gold a 20 nanometer gold do not behave the same way now they become very strongly dependent on the on the size of those particles so therefore can we come understand the theory behind that can we predict these material properties at the nano scale using theory and understanding of all of these uh, you know quantum mechanics that is taking over at those length scales so now you can imagine it's a great science so now you have all these elements in the periodic table now they are all behaving very differently at the 5 nanometer 10 nanometer kind of length scales so understanding the phenomena and even engineering these materials for example for a particular application i want certain properties for these materials now can you go and arrange these atoms in a way because in nano now you are getting down to the nano scale which is like the dealing with the atoms now so can i arrange these atoms in a way you know where i can achieve those properties so meaning you are almost playing god now so now you are creating materials which are which are required you know to meet certain properties so therefore it has evolved into a great science and once there is a great science then the engineers often get excited because now as an engineer when i look at these materials now i see all these new properties therefore can i use these properties for new applications and that is where the applications now started appearing in the market with the, which are based on these new properties the materials exhibit at the nano scale and for example you know there are uh, today uh, lots of textiles in the textile department at iit delhi there is a large team of people working on nano coatings for the textiles they have already licensed these technologies to multiple uh, companies and all of that and these nano coatings for example you can have shirts which are stain resistant so now if we unify spill coffee on my shirt nothing will happen because it will have that lotus leaf kind of an effect uh, to the given to the shirt that way spilling coffee no stain will occur and similarly technical textiles you can make now these textiles you know antimicrobial uh, you know antiviral those kind of coatings you can apply for example one of the very uh, early uh, developments in the iit delhi uh, textile department was these high quality masks with the nano coatings what these nano coatings basically do is when the virus comes in contact it can destroy that virus so these are all antimicrobial antiviral kind of a thing and then people are using it in biotech in the in the medicine field the targeted drug delivery you know for cancer treatment can you attach the you know the cancer drug uh, to the to the nanoparticles and direct these nanoparticles to go and uh, you know deliver the drug to the cancerous cells without you know affecting the healthy cells that way you can treat cancer in more advanced stages because now you are able to selectively deliver the drug to the cancerous cells so the targeted drug delivery many fda approvals have already been obtained and many patients are benefiting from that so as you can see from textiles to automobiles to you know medicine you name you know every area now is getting impacted by the nanotechnology and uh, from coatings now we are moving to devices you know one of my startups you know has also looked at uh, the the nano sniffer you know we have been able to launch that product recently we have worked on sensors where the nano mechanical motions are used to discover or used to sense you know certain material uh, certain kinds of uh, you know analytes so all of that can be done now so from materials to devices to systems that transition is taking place there are over a dozen companies in india which are now in the nanotechnology space 
and i have two of those companies now so things are looking very good and a lot of knowledge happening is happening india is ranked third in the world when it comes to nanotechnology knowledge generation so now the knowledge to wealth creation is beginning to happen so i think the exciting times now as a science it's a great science and as an engineering nano engineering so now we are all you know trying to get products out into the market and uh, many things are already you know making good business now but uh, all these startups you know which have been able to put products together based on the nano science you know i am sure some of them will become big companies in the near future lovely how cool is that you know because you you mentioned in the course of conversation that you know we've got the the tool to tinker around and play god because you know everything is made out of atoms you know and when atoms they clunk now it, it creates everything that we see perceive you know not just what we are made out of or environment and, and and the universe and to be able to tinker around and create these magical applications is super awesome because you said i mean you know right, right from uh, you know these textiles uh, nano coated textiles with i iit delhi is looking at to to these healthcare applications it's going to completely upend uh, how we live work and and play and and yes there is certain part, side of me is is a little worried because people or uh, in general are not uh, are very averse to change and they they they've built these blinkers on what can or what we humans cannot do now with all of these technologies i think we are probing the boundaries of what was termed possible and what was termed impossible and those termed which was termed impossible are the things which we are we, we are able to probe you know with uh, your nanotechnology to quantum computing to artificial intelligence to virtual reality i think all of these stack is going to create a world which is going to take us to that arthur c clark quote you know that uh, technology is akin to magic so i think we are going in that world you were also mentioned mentioning about uh, you know gold when it goes to nanometer size it starts behaving weird the quantum mechanical properties starts starts going into it uh, there there is something called as i mean you know these 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 great minds uh, are, talk, are spoken about is a nano assembler that someday we would be able to create a nano assembler a, a 3d printer of sorts where we'll be able to print out anything and everything you know right from your gold to diamonds or anything because in if you go deep down everything is made out of atoms so is a nano assembler possible and if if it is possible what would it take to build a nano i know it's a little funky and it's a very futuristic question but since you are vested in nano electronics i thought i would pose this question to you i know it's an interesting thought today for example the the lot of theory required even to understand when the material sizes change how it impacts the properties i think once you have that understanding that you know if this size and this orientation of the material will give me these properties so once we are able to understand that science the next step is to you know go reverse and then you know you have these properties now can i put these molecules in this fashion i think that is the next step to follow so we are not there yet uh, i think uh, though people have demonstrated that they can organize or arrange these atoms in a way you know that they want to see but uh, but i think that kind of a control on you know what sort of arrangements will give you what properties and you know can we do it on a larger scale 
i think these are the questions that scientists are all asking and uh, one of the things that you know even my group has uh, has explored or is where uh, I, I still have an interest is the molecular electronics so now if you see the conventional you know semiconductor industries you take a large piece of silicon and you keep uh, you know uh, making smaller and smaller dimensions which is what we call a top down approach so you start chiseling away what you don't require and finally end up with a device which is like 5 nanometers 10 nanometers which is made out of you know all these large bulky kind of things so that is a top down kind of an engineering that silicon industry the semiconductor industry currently follows one of the questions that you know people many of us are asking is you know why do you need to do that can you start with molecules for example and use these molecules to perform the same functions as a transistor now in electronics the the, the heart of every semiconductor chip is what we call the transistor and uh, which is uh, you know what drives the entire semiconductor industry but that is chiseled out of a larger you know kind of a piece of silicon and then you make those devices by removing uh, things uh, selectively but what we are asking is you know why to take such a larger thing and make it smaller why not start with molecules and make these molecules to behave like transistors and then assemble these molecules together to reach you know bigger kind of systems for example an and gate or gate or or you know your your microprocessor compiler can we do all of that uh, uh, you know any larger system by using these molecules by arranging these molecules in a certain fashion so that is what a bottom up kind of an approach so now in a bottom up kind of an approach the scaling up is a challenge i know how to make one molecule work like a transistor but i cannot connect tens or millions of molecules together to make a complete system out of that so that scale up is a big challenge on the other hand what the semiconductor industry today is struggling is the scaling down you know they know how to make it up to let's say 10 nanometer kind of a thing or even 5 nanometer sort of devices people are talking about but can i go down to 1 nano meter can i go down to extra kind of lens so scaling down is a problem with the conventional electronics while with molecular electronics the scaling up is a problem so i think the both both of these are challenges right now and you know much of my work also focused on putting these two things together you know don't look at them as independently now you use the conventional silicon technologies but you also add on to that you know some bottom up kind of an approaches to enhance the performance of you know silicon chips by using self assembled monolayers by making these molecules assemble in a certain way in a silicon device you know can we enhance the performance of these silicon devices so we are looking at a place where the bottom up approaches and the top down approaches come together to give a, a better quality you know kind of a, a device which is uh, which can be useful for the future nano electronics so there are all these kinds of approaches which are happening and uh, it's a very wide open kind of a research area and molecular electronics you know i think it will get a nobel prize one day you know when people are able to figure out you know how to connect these molecules and how to make larger systems and if somebody can demonstrate you know all the all the common functions uh, using such molecules i think that's that's a nobel prize winning work today and uh, you know there is a lot of work happening both in india and elsewhere let us hope you know some of these will become a reality soon
Right. Yeah, there's some re- really great work happening and I hope that those great innovations uh, comes out of India. So thank you, Professor. Really, really appreciate you taking time and being part of the, question, uh, the podcast. My last question to you. I- I'm sure you have a dream. You know, we all dream of a better India. What do you think would be your advice to students or entrepreneurs to reach that dream, to create that India, which is really, uh, you know, great with education where it's funded well and we are creating world-class innovation i think you know one thing which is uh, which is required for us to uh, you know when we reach 2035 is to keep the sustainability on the uh, on our radar you know as an engineer i can i can build a device let's say I, if i am working in agriculture area i can make these billion sensors but all these billion sensors are going to get into soil and uh, you know um, uh, erode the quality of this soil eventually remain as as the things which are unwanted as foreign material there i am not i am not being a good engineer so i think we need to start looking at putting sustainability first i think we have one planet after all and uh, you know if we start uh, you know polluting it and degrading it the way we are doing already we are seeing you know delhi had 49.5 degrees centigrade kind of temperature i think you know everywhere in the world there are these climate fluctuations that we are all experiencing now i think we are at some point you know tip that equilibrium that the nature has you know beyond a point where it cannot correct itself when it, when we reach that stage it's going to be disastrous for everybody not only for us but even for the future generations i think as engineers we need to put sustainability ahead of anything else we need to see that whatever we are deliver, developing you know eventually doesn't harm the uh, environment in any way for example we need to learn from the nature you know nature doesn't generate any waste the output of one process goes as input of another process and that is the circular kind of an engineering that we need to get into whereas all the things that we do we never look at the complete uh, you know life cycle of these product and uh, in the process we are degrading everything the oceans are seeing a lot of these microplastics now and which the which the fish you know you find them in fish and we eat them again i think it's giving rise to lots of challenges in every sector i think to me uh, becoming a engineer becoming an engineer who also is concerned about you know environment overall the 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 the, the health of the planet i think that's the education that we need to impart to our children i might be good at building a bridge but if i am very poor at understanding how that bridge will impact the sustainability in that region how it will displace people you know how it will impact the entire you know ecology in that region you know i am failing in my duty so i think we need those uh, we need education now which will give that all round uh, sort of uh, you know knowledge to our students so that they can connect all these pieces and eventually develop technologies develop systems that makes the quality of life better and makes india a, a kind of a you know a developed country in all respects but without harming the environment like what these developed nations have done i think uh, if our future should lie in sustainable growth you know not growth at any cost kind of thank you professor i mean that was really profound because yes i think we are in excitement and race to just solve a problem when we we create end up creating another problem you know to go to a place where we can create a circular sustainable economy is so important really really appreciate you taking time being part of the podcast it was a learning experience for me and i'm sure it's going to be for all the listeners wish you the very best and to my listeners if you like what you see in here then please press the subscribe button until next time see you guys Thank you, Professor. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Nice talk.